welcome to another episode of Reptile and Chill. My name is Hoss, and with me is the beautiful Danny Wells and the ever so delightful Michael Phelps. What a do. Ever so delightful. Yeah, well, you are quite delightful. I think he's after something personally. I, I, mm. I am actually. Usually the case. It, could be, the case. it could be your penis. I don't know. Well, after this week's conversations, we know what he's after, mate. He's after some money. Hoss <laughs> 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 has been, paid, Hoss has been paying 50 quid out of his own back pocket for this podcast for the, for the last 12 months. And we've just, <laughs> we've just realised that we need to give him a little bit of money. I'm, I'm well, owed. If he, if he actually told me. And blowjobs. Pardon? I need I need money and blowjobs. You also oh. need a good internet signal as well. Yeah, Hoss, your internet has gone pear shaped tonight. Yeah, I'm a jumping round because I'm I sound perfectly fine my end. You sound like R two D two. Really? Yeah. That's because you... that's because yours is coming through as a monitor. Yeah, of course it sounds perfectly fine your end. Uh, yeah, you guys are talking crap. It sounds perfectly fine here. Should we talk? Should we talk? Should we talk a little bit about talking crap? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, come on. So it was quite. It's quite interesting today because we had a proper, and it wasn't even a debate. It was a big old conversation about. Well, Hoss, do you want to explain? You, you were like, driving like, along it was like today. A, we, could, we could do this. We could try that. How about this? Now that's a shit idea. How about this one? Now that's terrible. Oh, I like that idea. And you know, one of them. It was a, he was a good day. And then Hoss got all syphilis. I can't even say my words now. Hoss got syphilis. <laughs> what, again? again. <laughs> oh, my word. No, I was saying it fine earlier. Philosophical. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got all, all that. Well, and, yeah, and I was how, like, how did how did Hoss pronounce that and you didn't? Right, I've been practicing. So, so basically, I, I was listening to another podcast <laughs> called Escape the Zoo. Um, and if you guys want to check it out, please, you know, really, uh, fuck's sake, I've cut it off, Mike. I can't talk. <laughs> check it out. It's called Escape from the Zoo. Um, it's about wildlife photographers, conservationists, um, especially. It's really kind of aimed around the big five. Um, it's really cool. But they got talking on about this on. People are, you know, further and further away from nature these days. And one of the blokes on there said that he kind of suffers from this. Like, sis, sis, Mike, what have you done to me? I can't talk. Philos- philosophical. There you go. Okay, so this bloke suffered from like a city anxiety. Um, and if he didn't get out in the country or out in nature uh, for a numerous amount of days, he felt really tense and really anxious. And then as soon as he would go out into the into the wild, so to speak, he would feel more at ease. And I could kind of relate with that. And obviously, um, we do live in the city, or at least me and Mike do. Um, well, ish. yeah, and and, and I, I absolutely relate to that 100%. And especially with what I've gone through this year and then having to go out, and but not having to go out, I've always been out in nature and, and enjoyed wildlife. But going out, if I haven't been out for a couple of days or a week, I really, really struggle. So I want to go out with my camera. Um, but I challenged you on a couple of things that you were saying about sort of like, you know, we don't, we haven't got sort of like, people don't go out and enjoy the wildlife like they used to and, and this, that and the other. And, and and I saw it in a totally different way. And I, I honestly think that people go out more so now 
into nature. We've definitely got more access to it. You know, people can drive to all these beautiful places. Uh, we're embracing it, um, you know, with having small um, nature reserves right on our doorstep. A lot of the places I go to are within minutes of a town centre, but I see red deer, owls, foxes, and a whole plethora of different animals. Right, okay, a plethora. So you, you can say plethora, plethora, but you can't say the other word. Plethora. A plethora of buttholes. Philosophical. Here we go. I totally understand what you're saying, but what what I was trying to get at, and I think the the problem is we were trying to discuss, and I think neither of us were seeing each other's points as well. Um, But even though we do have access to all these nature, and there are a lot of people that are getting really into nature these days, the majority of people go to work, come home, watch Coronation Street, have their dinner and go to bed, repeat, and don't go out as much as we possibly should do and a lot of these people and this is really just being very vague and this is just a theory um but a lot of people do suffer with mental health feel very suppressed feel you know very anxious all the time and i think sometimes it's because we're not getting out there we're in our houses and getting out into the wild is a really good way of kind of clearing the head um, that's what I was going with. I do think I do think we're seeing more of it now. Like, um, I think I think um, this whole um, stuck at home watching a TV, flicking through your Facebook, blah 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 blah, um, got is is getting and has got really really bad. And I think people have realised how how sort of dangerous it can be. Um, well, to, to be honest, I think people are getting out more. To be honest, I I totally understand with it, and I'm probably going to revert back into a hermit after um, what's going to happen in a minute. So, the listeners have been demanding our features back, and we've decided today that we're going to bring some of them back. Well, if not all of them, popular uh, demand. Yes, and because of the easiest one to prepare is herp of the week, because it's just me just not doing it very good. We're actually going to do that this week. So I'm probably never going to be seen ever again out of pure embarrassment. <laughs> no, you're on this every week. Every week. I think, I think, right, I think it's great. Let's bring back Herp of the Week. That's fantastic. But I think this time, let's do it so that me and Phelps choose the Herp of the Week. Oh. And we give it to you. Do you know right what, now. mate? <clears throat> mate, mm-hmm. I, I have got the book in front of me. So Do it. I, 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 I just bear with me two seconds. Mate, just oh, flick to a page and pick the longest binomial so, or trinomial name you can find and make hostage. You, <laughs> mate, you know we're on the same wavelength. That is absolutely right. And I've got the same book. He can't and, and, it. <laughs> and the person who wrote this book needs some credit. So this is Mark O'Shea's The Book of Snakes, okay? A life-size guide to 600 species from around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Written by Mark O'Shea. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just going to have a quick flick through. Can you just go any, mini money, moan and open it? Wait, no, I'm, no. I'm conscious of time. I'm conscious of time. Well, do you know what? Our beautiful guest tonight is absolutely with us on this one. I think he's died of boredom, to be honest. There you go. The Book of Snakes. A life-size guide to 600 species from around have the you, world by Mark O'Shea. Have you just picked up your mind? As you open it up. Danny. Danny. Well, well just... can I just say something? Danny, have you got that book in front of you? Yeah, to Danny, okay, best so, wishes, yeah, Mark O'Shea. So the book that you said that I never gave you a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Fuck you, yeah. you prick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was hoping you'd send me another one. <laughs> I've um, seen how much they go for. Right. Danny, I'm lucky. I'm really liking page 517. Okay. Uh, I can't me? even see any page numbers. Oh, they're on the edge there. Okay. That's yeah. Different. 517. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on then. Okay. So, this is the micro seller. Low fundus gracilis. It's the graceful small headed sea. Fuck you. It's the graceful small headed right sea snake. Right, where's it from? <laughs> right, okay, so it's an, it's an alapid. It's obviously venomous, mm-hmm. being a, a sneezer, a, a sea snake. Um, it's from the Indian and Pacific Oceans, uh, Persian Gulf to the South Chinese Sea. New Guinea Got and this. Northern Australia. We're going to have to stop you there, mate. You, you're you sounding like Peter Niche sounded, like, on Saturday night. <laughs> like, like a shitty well one. Like a, <laughs> when I walk seven miles to the well, you Back taste Nigeria. like <laughs> right, okay, shitty so well water. That's oh, so what I have to put up with. Right, guys, the adult length is about three foot uh, to 3.3, so it's around about a metre. Um, what have we got? It's rarely encountered. Mate, um, you put me on the spot here. Um, it's a highly venomous species. You sound like R2D2. It'll record fine, my end it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's cool. So, that is Micro Celephalondosis, uh, Gracilius, graceful small headed sea snake. Google it. Um, and micro, what did you say? Micro, what? Celephalosis. Micro machines come in collections of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is fucking brilliant! Well, I want to pra- do another oh, one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <coughs> it's, it's diet is eels. I want to do another one. We can't. We can't. <laughs> yeah, we can. We yes, can we do a whole. Sh- we could do a whole show on this. One we? more. One more. We'll have two this week. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, page 107. 107? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lovely snake, by the way. It's a Jamaican <laughs> boa. It, Chilobotherus. Jamaican subflavus. Say it again. Oh, I can't hear what you're saying. Say it again. Chilobotherus subflavus. He's practised that one. No, I know that one. Uh, that's the Jamaican yeah. boa, obviously from Jamaica. They get around five foot to six foot in length. They're a Cites Appendix 1 animal. They are absolutely fucking stunning. They're like a golden... She's actually in the book, this exact word. Ooh. Fucking stunning. Um, Here you go, page page 73. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> go on. 73. I can only count to 10. All right, oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. I can't even pronounce the common name. <laughs> yes. Go on. Cylindrophis balloongari. Ah, not 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 a bad. Right? Not bad. Um, that's not Bollinger's bad, pipe bad. snake. Um, it's about thirteen inches long, which I think is about the same size as our guest's penis this week. <laughs> and on on about thirteen inch penises, is our guest there? Is he there? Uh, we're going to introduce him into our show, Hart, okay. in the right could, way. Could, if you are we? there, could you just cough for us, please? <coughs> right, okay. So, oh. Hoss, um, you're not getting this. Oh, yeah. oh, no, I am. I am. I'm doing this. I'm introducing him. 
Right, so Reptile and Chill, we like to do things and we like to push the boundaries. Um, so can we... Um, they're not going to like this, guys. Right, okay. Raymond Hoser, could you come on to the show, please? Hello, ladies. How are we? <laughs> oh. You just referred oh. to him as Raymond Hoser. Oh, <laughs> has he changed his accent or what? I, I, think, we, I think we got the wrong person. <laughs> guys, Shit. I just point out where I come from. My accent's normal. Jeez, guys, that sounded a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, okay. you're, you're absolutely right. Our accent well, as well. Mine and Hossie's is the worst accent in the world. I quite, quite like your accent. It's like the black country must safe. Almost like the black country <laughs> meets Vicky Pollard. It really is. <laughs> okay. So if um, there's, um, if there's one, just before we carry on, mate, if you could just speak up a little bit as you're coming through mouse quiet. Okay. Can you hear me now? You need to shout. I know you've got some big lungs on you. It's not the only thing that's break on me. He's got really big feet and ears as well. Un- unfor- and unfortunately, Raymond. <clears throat> yes, dear. What you're doing is, what I do is, as I shout, I move further away from the microphone so he has no impact. <laughs> can, I, can I just point out, you're, you're dead lucky to have me tonight because we could have put Peter Nish back on. We <gasps> all seen what he got up to on Saturday night. Oh, okay. Do you know what? I've, see, I've secretly fell in love with that guy. No, let's, let's be quite honest. He's a bit of a dick. Let's be <laughs> he's, he's a lovable one, and he's he's the greatest friend you could have in the world. But he, he is a bit of a dick. Let's be let's be <laughs> about it. And that's, that's being kind. Uh-huh. Oh, do you know what? I haven't got a bad word to say about him. But you two are a lot closer than than than, than we are. Definitely. Well, well, to be honest, he sent some really incriminating photos of uh, your face <laughs> on tortoises, um, yeah. and Chris Wilson has a lot to do. Um, can, and, can and, I... and tortoise joke he said you're a bit of a dick I test a toe I test a toe hey, well let, let's put it like this I have an incriminating video of him when he had a few drinks on him and um, I, I think it really should go out to the wider community that they realise what a knob he is well we, we've got a platform um, so send it across <laughs> Guys, like, that's the new feature of the week Yep. Guys, in case I forget to say it, can I just say how humbled I am to be on here with three loving legends? Eight, ever since... Ah, no, no, oh, my. Oh. You know what? You can get right in my basket. Oh, that is, that's hit me right in the chest, that has, right in the fields. Ever since I was a child growing up in Northern Ireland, <laughs> every, time, every time I watched the Wombles, I thought of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> breathing ones. I don't know if you're cross between the Wombles or an episode of Vikings. To be quite honest with you. you know. Well, I think I think we could go either way, and there's a fine line between both of them. Well, <laughs> heard that about you that you like to go both ways. So okay, right. So this is the reptile podcast. Let's talk about reptiles. Okay, so Raymond, we never talk about reptiles. We, we never do. We're turning a new page. So Raymond Robinson, who the hell yeah. are you? I'm, no, I am no, I'm not having this. Oh, okay, I've been told off. Right, okay. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Michael Phelps. Right, right, we spoke for a lengthy, on a lengthy conversation today on how we're going to push things forward. I'm going to introduce the guest. I'm going to tell Bad everybody horse. all about them. And I know what's happening, mate. 
You can't be. You, you haven't done your homework and you haven't. You, you've got nothing to say. So well, now you're getting the guests to do the so, hard work for oh, you. Fine, fine. I'll do it. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> Raymond is the curator of Belfast Zoo. I am. So I am. he's in charge of all the lovely fluffies and scalies animals and all of them at Belfast Zoo. What else? What a lucky little bastard. Yes, what he else? Is. He's, um, al- he's also. Oh. Well, he's 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 he's, he's gorgeous. I am gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh. Personally, <laughs> personally, I think he makes Peter Niche look like. Um, oh, what was his name? What, Peter the guy Andre. from the guy from the Goonies. <laughs> hey, you chunk. 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 Yeah. Roof. Baby. <laughs> yeah, so he's also got a really good private collection which we'll get onto in a bit and has an absolute fascination with tortoises um so where do you want to start mate do you want to start talking about your the, the zoo work first or do you want to talk about your personal collection i don't mind i'll start with your penis <clears throat> so as the sensible one before we start can we just say welcome to the show and thank you for coming on act act it's all an act Hey guys, um, it is a pleasure to be on here. Quite how I can follow the living legend that is Peter Nish. <laughs> um, Peter would be on here tonight, but we have had to lock him away for public safety. <laughs> no, no, Peter, Peter would be on here tonight, but we didn't want him on here. No, no, no. <laughs> Try sticking up the car from Belfast to Don- uh, Doncaster and back, you know, and it's... You know, luckily we've got earplugs because I mean to be but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, it does. But I, it genuinely, guys, and I'm being this will be the only time I'm probably serious. Like, thank you very much for having me on, and I do appreciate what you are doing. And I think you do a terrific job, and maybe that needs to be said a lot louder and a lot more. But well done for what you do each week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very thank much. you. Brilliant. Right. So on, on to the truth. What happens in Belfast Zoo? So your role as curator, what does that entail? It's, it's quite a multifaceted um, role, Hoss. Um, obviously, if the areas I'm responsible for it includes things like elephants, giraffes, sporty pigs, bongo, things like that. And to an extent, um, which is very important across our rest world, we do a release programme in Northern Ireland. Um, we've, we've done quite enough of those over the years. But, I mean, you have to be all things to all people in the zoo, so you're, you're covering everything from the animal care sections of it to block drains to staff issues to everything in between. It's a, it's a pretty broad um, description that I have, and, I, and that's nothing that I would rather be doing than this. And, and Raymond, I know you just said to like staff issues, and, and I've found in management a lot of your time you spent, like, babysitting, like, people, because... You have to deal with everybody <laughs> and all their issues. Well, it is like 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 all things where you know anybody work, that works with animals tends to be very passionate and very fiery, fiery and strong. Well, and equally mm-hmm. have things going on in their personal lives that that you know obviously can come into the workplace. And I mean, we work um, we work for the city council who, who owns the zoo, and we have a very good employer who looks after. I know you discuss things like mental health and all. Yeah, we have a great employer who who provides services for all staff across. You know, the city council employs two and a half thousand staff, so things that looks after not only the physical well-being of staff but the mental well-being and have policies and procedures in place to help that. And it's it is important, and it's not like me to be serious, but it is something that 
you know, people should feel there's not a stigma attached to 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 uh, mental health, and um, if they can talk about it and get out there, and somebody puts an arm around them and say everything's going to be okay, that's, that's a long way to, to go to make things better. Thank you. I think that's really well said, and 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 just whilst you're on that, Danny put a post up on our Facebook page today, and I tell you what, it was an Australian guy fishing a boat, and. I don't think I've seen anybody explain it as well as that guy did. Do you want me to do you want me to play it? Yeah, I think I think you should because it is it's all voice. I so I should. Um this should work. I've never done this before, but I was trying this out. I've never done it whilst I've re- recording. But I should be able to play it and it come up through the feed. Um he says Um so yeah, what this guy was saying, um at first, I thought he was going to be some form of piss taker because he's on a boat and he's waving fish around. And then he just comes out with this absolute line. And um, I couldn't agree with him more, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really, really well well put. Just give us two seconds. How you going? Are you well? I'm out here to see my little boat and I just nailed my very first snapper for the season. Hold it right there, boys. So that doesn't look so bloody big. Jeez, Clay, tall stories. In the bin, on some ice, stoked as... Now, I'm on my little boat here, and I was just thinking, you know, if this little uh, 3.3 Mercury broke down out here, what would I do if the wind was blowing me out to sea? Well, I'd probably put my ego aside and tell one of my mates you know, on the telephone, hey, I'm broken down, can you come and pick me up? Well, if I was way out at sea, and my paddle was too hard to, to paddle out back into shore, I'd probably ring up the Coast Guard. Well, same thing applies to you. If you have a breakdown, like a mental breakdown, your head breaks down, because that bit of jelly between your ears, occasionally, just like a motor on a boat, can break down. So uh, put your ego aside if you're going through a hard patch and you've had a breakdown and call someone. Call someone. Say, hey, man, I've had a breakdown or I need help. And that way you'll be sweet as, bro. And good luck with your fishing. Be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. See you later. So, legend. That, that is so simple. You know, your engine breaks down in your car. You'll you'll put your ego aside, and you know, because it's embarrassing if your, your your car breaks down. But you will put your ego aside and call out the AA, the RAC, or the Green Flag, or whoever you, you're with, and they'll come and pick you up. And it's absolutely one hundred percent the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah. I, I, and I just say as well, like, I mean, one, one thing I've found by time keeping reptiles, some of the most generously kind and caring people you will ever meet run about with big, big long beards, tattoos, studs through the nose, whatever else. They'll be quick to put their arm around you and say, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs that. Even the big six foot two hairy arse blokes, they all yeah. need they all have those moments where they're feeling a little bit down, a little bit sensitive, and sometimes you need your mates just to pick you up, dust you down, and say, right, let's get on with us, and let's take the piss out of each other now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. And, and that's what we're hoping we're all about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I know, um, well, from a perspective of me, Danny, and Mike, um, as three friends, I think there's been multiple situations where all three of us have kind of like give each other a kick up the arse. Um, de- definitely all three of us. And I think there has been many people who we have reached out to now and have got in touch with us and have started talking. Um, you know, And ho- hopefully they take the message on and they pass it on and when they see someone who's in a similar situation, they do the same. Um, and if we all keep doing, keep doing that, it's the domino effect. We'll take uh, over. I think um, us guys over here, there's a group of five of us made up regular 
and there's my, and myself, the gorgeous uh, Peter Nish, who we've talked about. I've many more times that he's been starting to annoy me now. Stalker. Uh, I'm a stalker. We, I mean, we, <laughs> we it's the most fabulous collection of house snakes with Chris Wilson, who you met the other night, who looked yeah. Like, yeah. more like Peter Sutcliffe, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we have Tony Wilson, who we like to call our own Liam Neeson, you know, because he has very particular skills um, as well. And we all take the piss out, <laughs> out of each other. We all give each other a kick in the backside when we need it. beginning. <clears throat> And that's really, really important. Um, I, I think it, I think it's also important um, that the listeners know that we don't we don't always get on. We we, oh, we do Christ. bigger. Christ. We're in we're we're in, we're, in, we're we're in each other's pockets all the time. Yeah, like, so we, aren't we we just had literally the day before Doncaster. Me and me and Danny were at it, and then we had a really really good weekend. And then the last two days, me and Danny have been at it. <laughs> um, me and me and Hoss love to hate oh each other, don't we? God, mate? but it's you know it's all in the best interest. We're always talking yeah. through different ideas, and mm-hmm. the problem is we we both want to push things to the most. We want to get the most out of the podcast and what we're doing. Sometimes our ideas don't line up, and or sometimes perhaps our ideas do line up, but we're not explaining things properly. Yeah, and oh my god, like yeah, it's like it's like, it's like two pythons combating for a female. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. It's not, it's not always rainbows and fucking butterflies. We, you Un- know, we, unfortunately, we everyone does. Unfortunately, Raymond, I'm the fucking butterfly. I'm the female in this uh, you scenario. Can, you can be the butterfly. The butterflies are the shit ones. It's the moths we want. <laughs> I'm, I'm the female in this relationship, so I have to listen to you two battle it out, and then I'll just be the the words of wisdom and no, just go. You're, you're... Actually, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, Phelps usually comes in about six hours later and he goes, What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> okay. So, going back to Belfast Zoo, so how long have you been working for the zoo, mate? 22 years, um, horse all together. So, that's wow. Going in as a keeper, going up senior keeper, then creator level. So, um, and then, obviously, you, you have duty officer responsibilities for parasite as well on, on certain days as well. So, you know, that's everything, as I say, from the animals to the services that you provide to maintenance that's going on and everything that's going on in between. So sometimes when you visit a zoo, you maybe don't realise it's not just animal staff that make things work. It's the people that work at the front of the house, the drivers, you know, the education officers, the gardeners. There's a whole raft of people, and it's not just... So the people that look after the animals that make the place tick. It's 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 a team effort, and I know that sounds corny, but it absolutely is, because if the drivers don't turn up, we don't get the food delivered in time. If the gardeners don't turn up for work, we don't get the you know the heads. Yeah. And so on, so forth. Um, can I just point something out? Actually, I've just realised. See, at the start of this, when when Hoss was speaking, I actually thought I was listening to that share song. I believe you know the bit where it goes all distorted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, um, I mean, as a zoo, I mean, we've been there since 1934, albeit it was rebuilt totally in the late 1970s. And we have everything from gorillas, the giraffes, the elephants, to lions, to 
you know, we have a nice reptile collection. I heard you talking about Jamaican boas. We have those. We have uh, some cinnias. We have um, mangrove snakes and, and, and beaded lizards and so on and so forth. I wouldn't say we have a big reptile collection, but we're mostly a mammal and bird collection, but we've had some really, really tasty species over the years. Does, yeah, it does sound like a nice little collection, though. It's it's fabulous. You're, mm. Approximately 100, 120 species plus. Um, most of those are managed through the EASA, or sorry, EASA through our European breeding programs um, as well. And the thing about zoos now compared to when I was a kid growing up in the 1970s, zoos are much more freely working together and cooperating and sending animals and they're not buying and selling and bartering, you know, animals, the animals are managed for the benefit of the animals rather than the benefit of the zoo. Yeah. It's very, very important. Um, as well, but I'm getting terribly serious here. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Raymond, because a lot of zoos get put in the same basket. You know, you see some zoos and uh, you know, some uh, foreign zoos that the animals are kept terribly. Um, that, that you know, it's all about just getting people in just to see that animal, regardless of the welfare of the animal. But I think over in, especially in Britain now, the zoos work really well together. It's all about conservation. It's all about sort of like, you know, making sure these animals survive because out in the wild, we might not see them again. And and, and you guys are working to make sure that these some of these species, you know, do do carry on for, for at least a little bit longer. Absolutely. Yeah, if not forever. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. sorry, Matt, carry on. No, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, I cannot think off the top of my head of a bad zoo in the UK. I know people are quick to criticise zoos, but I cannot think of a bad zoo. That, I mean, and, and sort of Birmingham area, you've got the fabulous Birmingham um, uh, Nature Centre. I've changed the name recently, and that's fabulous what they do on a small site. Yeah. Just down the road, you've got the fabulous Dudley Zoo. You know, over towards, obviously, towards where Danny is, you have Bannum Zoo, you have Africa Alive, you know, mm-hmm. You have all these wonderful places doing wonderful conservation and practical hands-on and, and education. That is really, really important, um, guys. You know? and, uh, and, and I know you've mentioned a couple of zoos there and some of them do get some bad press and I'm going to go straight in for it. And you mentioned Dudley Zoo. And, and, and not too long ago, unfortunately, an animal was, um, was not locked away properly. And, you know, unfortunately, that animal had to be taken out. It's, it's protocol, though, isn't it? It's a, it, it, it's a, a, cat, it's a cat one animal, isn't it? And, 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 and I totally get that. And I understand why and, and why things happen. But I, I just wanted to know from, from Raymond's point of view, sort of like, you know, how that happens and why it's happened. And, and, and if you could any shed any light on that. And I know it's not you know, the zoo that you're working at or if you're allowed to to talk about it. Well, I'm not going to go into, obviously it'd be totally unprofessional. But, I mean, I love Dudley Zoo. I've been many, many times and I have a lot of love for the place. Um, yeah. Last time it was last year. But what I, the only comment I will make is this. On any zoo and any workplace, human life is paramount and human life comes before it's sacramite it has to come above anything else and that what people don't seem to realize is this you're talking about you've worked with that animal and i know the animal you're talking about they've dealt with maybe worked with us since it was a cub when it grew up they've looked after they've cared for it and somebody's had to make the hard decision to, to 
you know, to take that shot. And that's terrible, you know, and because it's it's not something that anybody would choose to do ordinarily, but the consequences of not doing it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I get that. And I and I suppose really, you know, I look at it from from things from a construction industry that I work in, we have to have protocols in place, which I know you have to have in zoos, we have to have permits in place. And sometimes you think, God, how many things must have gone wrong for that to happen? And it's an awful shame that uh, an absolutely beautiful creature uh, lost its life yeah. over that. But well, it, again, it's it's it's, it's procedure and it's it's what needs to be done. Remember, we had um, that I can't remember which guest it was now, um, but they were talking about um, was it the Galapagos tortoise which got out of the pen? Which obviously that a Galapagos was, tortoise. That wasn't a, a guest. That was me. <laughs> yeah, I, that was it because we had the. Um, we had an email, didn't we? And we was talking to that one gentleman from a zoo, and he was discussing um, his time at that zoo. Um, yes. I'm not going to mention what a zoo it is because I can't remember off the top of my head. So uh, it was Twycrass Zoo, and they had a protocol that when a, an animal escapes, there is a certain code that goes out on the radio. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm guessing, I think Raymond can confirm this, but a, a Galapagos tortoise would be a Cat 1 animal because of the weight of it. It certainly wouldn't be a Category 1 animal. I mean, no, it wouldn't. I would view it. I would fear category one as being obviously anything that, that has the potential to cause death to a human. You know, so you're talking big cats, bears, you know, elephants, rhinos, hippos, you know, thing, and even some of the things that you might not necessarily think. I mean, obviously some snakes would be classed as cats. Yeah, so I know, I know Dryton Manor class boa constrictors as a cat one. It depends on the individual zoo licensing in each area. I mean, um, you have the Secretary of State's um, Standards of Modern Zoo Practice, which will list them as different categories, and then different zoos will list their, list their animals within various categories. So, for example, and I'll, I'll only speak about Belfast. I mean, at Belfast, for example, um, lions would be Category 1, chimps would be Category 1, gorillas, you know, bugs, bear species would be Category 1s, the elephants, if they got out of their pen, would be Category 1. And then you go down to maybe sort of Category 2, Category 3, that would be less likely to, unlikely to cause death, but could cause you damage, That's, you know, so some some of the primary yeah. example um, as well. But, I mean, as I always remind people, the worst, in all my years of working with animals or keeping animals, the worst bite the most painful bite I ever took was from a budgie who bit me under the thumbnail. (laughs) 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 You you know, it's to put it into context of things. And, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect world. None of us live in it. And you try to limit the potential for risk to happen, but you can't always prevent it. Yeah. It's the same at home. You know, many times if you hit your thumb with a hammer trying to put a nail in the wall, you didn't set out to do it, but sometimes you get I, I think a better way to put that is um you never want your children to be hurt but sometimes at home they get hurt Excellent. it's and and i should imagine that's exactly how that poor zookeeper felt although may have had a stupid moment or whatever but but having to, lost an animal that's probably looked after for a long long time um like always you know our kids get hurt at home and we blame ourselves for it uh, i should imagine that's exactly the same as the uh, the zookeeper felt Absolutely, and it's, 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 my heart goes out to that person because, as I say, they put a lot of love and effort into it, and if, if it's been a mistake or whatever has happened, you know that they have to live with that for the rest of their days. But that's that's the side that happens only rarely in zoos. The, the positive things, the, the, the millions of people, I mean, like seventeen million people come to British zoos in a year. That's phenomenal. And, and, <laughs> you, okay. Definitely. Okay, so 
pushing forward. Um, I'll watch that video of you talking about Belfast Zoo. And oh, no. you may be only being little zoo, but you seem to have bred animals that have ended up all over the world. Um, so what kind of animals was you talking about in that video? I mean, some, some of the animals, we, I mean, we have got European first for breeding things like uh, bearded sake, for example, UK first for things uh, like a white-tailed seagull that we bred in 2000. Wow. We've bred shifaka, gridfellows, tree kangaroos, we've knocked out um, several species of, of langers, obviously gorillas, um, cheetahs, we used to breed quite regularly, blackfoot, a cat, used to breed regularly, you know, red river hog. For a smallish zoo, we have a phenomenal record over the years. Um, and we, were, we were only the second zoo in the UK to breed Asian elephants successfully. And that wow. happened in 1997. Before that, it was Jubilee at Chester Zoo, te, um, sort of 20 years previous to that. So we, we have a, a really, really good record of breeding things, um, I have to say. Sometimes I've lost in the visitors because sometimes a monkey is a monkey to the average punter. But as long as that monkey's kept well and loved and looked after that's that's the most important thing well what would you put down you know your successes to peter uh sorry could, could you... <laughs> I've, just... I've done it again haven't i he went there <laughs> raymond raymond we wouldn't be offended now if you just dropped off the call no to matt danny to be honest with you we will find him um, we will find him and we will kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I deserve to be found guilty after that. I'm really sorry. I was caught in the heat at the moment there. You know what it was? He was touching himself, thinking about Peter again. It's 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 the accent. I automatically think of Peter when I hear that accent. But then, here's the problem. Peter's from Belfast. I don't, I'm not. You see, I'm from a little town called Cumber, which is famous for three things. Basically, potatoes. Raymond. Um, <laughs> and the guy that built the Titanic that decided it's from Cumber. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't sound like Peter, who sounds a bit like the clangers, I'm afraid. So. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond, I am so, so sorry. I didn't mean it to come out like that. But... It's fine. It's fine. We'll just charge him £5. It's fine. Do you know what? I'll take the fine. <laughs> I wasn't going to come over in April to Doncaster, but I might just do it now, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond, my point was, um, you know, you talk, it's a small zoo, you've been really successful. Can you yeah. put your finger on why? Is it down to the keepers? Is it down to the environment, the enclosures? I don't it's, know. It's, it's a bit of everything. I mean, back when the zoo was rebuilt in the late 70s, we were reasonably revolutionary in the UK that, a lot of our primate enclosures were open-topped with electric fencing around them. I think it's a combination of, of um, I think every zoo has its specialties, you know, and, and it'd be unfair to say we're better than any zoo. We're, we're not, you know, you look at somewhere like Whipstate, who in Chester have a phenomenal record with elephants, for example. You have Port Lim, fantastic records of black rhino. But it, it's a combination of, of basically, I think, obviously staff that... Have, have their eye on the ball, um, letting animals be animals rather than trying to make them your new best friend, and, and basically try, just a, a combination of a good dad, good veterinary care, good conditions for them. And the big single biggest thing you can have in any zoo is empathy with your staff, and we have that in bucket loads, I have to say. Mm. For such a small country, we're very lucky to have such great staff at our zoo, I have to say that. 
Um, and that you know, and I don't include myself in that by any stretch of the mind. Get out of town. There's a reason why it's doing so well, and you've been there for so long. You've got an absolute massive passion for animals, and uh, you know you've got to take a little bit of credit for that. No, no, I can't, I can't honestly do that, guys. To be honest with you, I'm just. I mean, I know I've got a big gob on me, as you're probably well aware, but I would be humble enough to realise that everything is done with with a team behind yeah. you. I'm only a very, very small cog in that wheel, and and just a small part of it, you know. So, and then anyway, no, he's so modest. Yeah, I mean, Chris, that's a fantastic modest <laughs> view on things. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, I've done it again. I'm I, sorry. <laughs> I don't know which blanker said that, but. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely the old one. Hi, Danny. Hi, Mike. Nice one. He's the sensible, loving one. He's, I am. He's like the cuddly grander you want to pick up and cuddle and take home with you. Look, if, you if you pick <laughs> him up, you break your back. <laughs> you know. Uh, um, there was something really, really important that I did want to ask. Oh, what, what is, what, is that what his name is? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the right point point in the show to, to ask this question. Ask it. Go on. If you had a superpower, oh, for yes. sake. what what superpower would you have? To make you disappear right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make me disappear. Oh, God, that's fucking brilliant. That's, nope. that's, not, that's really not that useful. <laughs> if, if I'm being honest, right, it would have to be to have the ability to allow my kids to grow up to be healthy and happy and have everything in life that I never had. Oh, man, oh, this guy's amazing. Come He's... on. You can't, you, can't, you can't say shit like that. Um, that just takes it, you in such a really lovely light, and there's just not no, it's not this fair. Is, this is a superpower. There's I, me being selfish, and I'm like, if, my, if I had a superpower, I'd just it would be the ability to go orgasm to like everyone, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> men, women, the lot, just <laughs> and just watch them fall on the floor and just laugh my head off like all day long. And there's you going, oh, I just want everyone to be amazing and kids to grow up really happy. Fuck off. Sammy, <laughs> yes. Up and serious now. Mm-hmm. What's an orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> no, okay, so okay. If I had to have a super part, would be to be invisible. <gasps> You're a pervert. Yes. <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, that if anybody has ever asked me that question, invisible is is the one I've always said because oh my god, it would be absolutely fantastic, wouldn't it? Well, You'd be able to do anything. To be honest, wanted. though, if I was invisible, I'd just keep moving your new Sanzinia everywhere. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I'd want to do? I'd want to I'd want to go into the White House, right, and just flick Trump's ears. <laughs> Just from behind him, just flick him, and then oh my god, and just wind him up just for like twenty four hours. Just wind him up until he had like a breakdown. Right when he's about to do sort of like one of those main interviews on main on on, on every channel in the world, just start flicking his ears. (laughs) Okay, so let let's 
No. Swiftly forward. No. I think this is really important. Raymond, what's the first thing, if, if you were granted that superpower and you could go completely invisible, what is the first thing you would do? I would have to toss a kick in the bollocks. <laughs> I wouldn't know where it came from. You know, you know what? You know what? Yeah. I know where you live. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, your <laughs> he knows where you work. <laughs> I'll find you. Like Eamon Hull. You do that. That's terrible. That's you, three boys, for you. Well, <laughs> well. Right, anyway, so moving swiftly forward before the podcast completely falls to pieces. Um, <laughs> Best one yet. Let's talk about the reptiles at your work, and then we'll get into your personal collection. Okay. Uh, well, as I say, it's quite a, it's at, at work anyway. It's quite a small collection, as I say. Mango snakes. The, there's a few of those. We have Sansinia, the nice, really nice lime green variety with one point two of those. We, Easterns. Yes, beautiful. Ooh, nice. Dumrils ground boas. Um, Cuban boas, which then the Jamaicans, same genus, obviously, uh, but totally different looking. And then mm-hmm. the various uh, Chelonia, you know, red footed tortoise, pancake tortoises, we do really well with. And then a few of the sort of European species of tortoise. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have a big collection. Oh, um, Fijian banded iguanas, green iguanas. It's mm-hmm. not a big collection, as to say. Oh, and the uh, beaded lizards, which are fabulous, I have mm-hmm. to say. Really like those. They're the uh, fake healers, right? Uh, well, absolutely, but they're both love. <laughs> they're own. Okay. Um, so it's quite a nice. We keep a few uh, golden mantella and a few mossy frogs as well. Uh, I think it's really important to have amphibians. Obviously, the the story behind chitrid fungus and, and and obviously the amphibian crisis globally. It's really important to get that message out to people because amphibians are one of these animals that are great key indicators for habitats when something's not going right. You suddenly discover your, your your amphibians start to disappear, and then you know this up shit creek. Let's put it that way. Um, but as I say, a nice collection, but certainly not as big um, as some of the obviously the, the other UK zoos would have. Dudleys, mm. probably not the size of Birmingham Nature Centres either. Okay, so I, th- I think um, what we need to do is collectively as uh, three. Reprobate. We need to come and visit the zoo. No, unfortunately, we, we, we're fussy about who we let in. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd get in. I'd get in, but you guys are screwed. Yeah. yeah. And fairness for Mike, we do a special pensioners rate, so he'll save a few quid getting in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I'll take the pensioners right, right. I'll well, even well, spray my beard. Can gray. can I can I come in as Danny's carer then? You certainly can. Nay. Right, do, I have to, do, I have, do I have to walk with a like a limp or uh, <laughs> speech impediment or something? Or <laughs> I think you'd be better off switching it round a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> do you have disabled access? <laughs> Very accessible we are indeed, I have to say. <laughs> Let's put horse in a wheelchair. <laughs> I, do refuse, I do withhold the right to refuse admission, though, and I need to. So... Uh... No, I'm sure you'll be fine. It's actually quite a similar terrain to Dudley. See, it's quite hilly. Um, so it's you, know, you would feel back and you sort of back home again. But it's, it's fabulous. On a good day, we can see the west coast of Scotland from the zoo. Wow. Nice. And, you know, as well. So 
It's, it is. It, I'm not just saying it is a fabulous location, and we're very fortunate to have it in Northern Ireland because we're only a small country. Thing. Can I can I just say as well um, that I know probably not so much nowadays, but a lot of people was put off for going to Belfast because of the the political troubles that were going over on over there. But I went over there quite a few years ago now, and it's an absolutely amazing city to go to. It is absolutely stunning. It is. I mean, you carry, the city and the country is going to carry a certain amount of baggage for the next few decades. To you know, because of the hands and, and the hands of a few idiots who wanted to run it for the normal, sensible, logical people who just want to get on and live their lives and keep a few reptiles and yeah, see their kids growing up. But the city, I mean, growing up in the nineteen seventies and eighties, that was normal for us. You know, and 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 you got on with living your life. You didn't let. The scumbags get in the way of you, you, you living your life. But it has the city itself of Belfast has fundamentally changed. It's stunning. It's, yeah. It's a bullish city. It's, it's accessible. It's, I mean, anybody who's in the Game of Thrones, it's, it's the place to come to because that's where the, the film studio is in the centre of Belfast and all the filming locations. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of cultural history. If you like to dine out, you like to go to bars, which I think you guys like to do occasionally. I don't know where you get that idea from. Uh, it's probably, lies. lies. No, I, I, I don't drink. No, no, it's prob- it was probably the bucket with the the, uh, the hose hanging out of it in your bedroom. That's what I give it away the <laughs> Um, although I think Danny was sitting drinking girly drinks all night, that pink stuff, whatever it was, you know. So. Danny's quite sensible when it comes to drinking, if I'm honest with you. He'll sit back in, uh, and just drink what he needs to drink. I'm a little bit less sensible where I'll just throw everything that that, that comes at me down my throat. I... And- I I I drink quite sensibly until I make the mistake of saying yes when Phelps goes. Do you want a drink, mate? Do you want a Jaeger, Jaeger bomb? <laughs> oh yeah, don't take me up to the bar and say, "Do you want shots?" Yeah, come on then, everyone gets shots. Boy, on me. Yeah, no, that's dangerous. That's always dangerous because I like shots. And don't say yes to Phelps because he will buy you a quadruple vodka and a Red Bull. Did uh, Peter Nish put his hand in his pocket on Saturday night? Let me check. Did oh. he hell? Did he hell? I, 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 I revoke what you're saying. He was the first person when yeah. I got to the bar to buy me a drink. He bought me one as well as soon as I got there. Well, I'm offended. Oh, he, bought, he bought you one as well, Danny? I, prob- I probably just said no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't want a drink from you. You're probably spitting it. <laughs> to, 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 be, to be honest, to be, Danny, Peter probably bought you one, but Mike probably drank it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Either that or I was worried it was going to be shitty well water. <laughs> shitty well water. On behalf of all the good folk in Northern Ireland, we do apologise for his behaviour on Saturday night. We, we are so sorry for it. But he is just a natural-born comedian with a big heart. He is. He's, uh, do you know what? One of the funniest nights I've had in a long, long time with us all sat there and I we were just barely laughing every five minutes. It was an absolutely beautiful evening. We, we have a saying over here, the best way to compliment a friend is to, to insult them. Yeah, 100%. Peter, is, you need to come and see his, his uh, reptile room. And it's immaculate. It's like a hospital ward. It's brilliantly <laughs> are pristine. I think all you guys got to see that rough scale python that he brought over. Yeah, um, yeah. Get the grips. But that's just one of a number of really, really stunning 
that he has, beautifully kept, and just a guy with a real pack uh, for what he does. Um, I cannot believe I've said nice things about him. I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed, if I'm honest. I was hoping we were going to get all the dishy shit on p and <laughs> Well, you've, been, you've actually been a little bit of a letdown so far. Well, I, I could say things, but I would be lying because he is the good guys of the reptile world. Um, unfortunately, I think Danny has a photograph that I might have accidentally sent him. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> sure. It's my favourite picture. And Danny is now going to put it into our WhatsApp group so we can have a chuckle as well, yeah? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's the new T-shirt. It's going to be the new T-shirt. Mm. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, whilst we're chuckling, uh, do you want to get into your personal collection? Yep, of course. Well, I have a bit of a mixture of stuff. Um, I have two sheds. Well, say I have two sheds. I have a snake shed, and my uh, current wife has a shed with lizards in it. Um, I call her I call her current wife because I used to call her the ex-girlfriend, and she didn't like that. <laughs> So... <laughs> so she's now the current wife. She's now the current wife. Better she... than the ex-wife. No, never, never twice. Trust me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're only staying together for the benefit of the kids because none of the two of us want them. We don't like them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Are you frightened to split up in case you get landed with the kids? Is that Absolutely. What you're <laughs> Um, oh, brilliant! But my wife, she keeps things like leopard geckos, and she has eyed lizards, she has fat-tailed geckos, and helmet geckos. She likes nice things that she can see, so that that's her domain. I don't go there. But my own personal collection, I keep a lot of smaller stuff. So, um, three species of bamboo, Kenyan rough-scaled, and Indian. The Indians are fabulous because with a blunt tail that looks like with two heads. But I I used to have six species in total. I also have rosy boas. Smashing pair of Argentine boa constrictors, fabulous. You know, females by the eight foot tall. A couple of BCIs, a um, few blood pythons, um, a lovely Sumatran short tail, a really, really lovely little Savu python uh, that I picked up from a friend in September from Doncaster. And then nice. that's like Braddles pythons, Bismarck ring pythons, etc. <sighs> So I, I, I like I couldn't spare I could never just keep one species of snake. I would, not that it would bore me, but I, I get itchy feet. So I like I like the challenges of keeping each of these. And if you would ask me which is my favourite, I would I would definitely say the sand boas. Honestly, yeah, you like that's fabulous. fabulous. And, and what what what? Tell us why you you love them so much. I I don't know. I just I, th- I think they're one of these species that. When I said the people I was going to get sandboas, they said they're just <clears throat> brown things you never see that hide them below the substrate. But no, nah, they are cool. But they're googly little eyes. They are fabulous. And as I say, I've been looking at kept six different species. I've bred a number of them over the years. They just fit in nicely. But I, I like quirky. I like small quirky things. Mm, they are ah, cool. hence why you like Pete, Pete and Niche. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, with the Sambo's, I actually like how what you just said, they're, 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 this, they're this, you know, um, short, stumpy little snakes. They're actually really cool. Um, and I, I particularly love how jumpy they are because they're like half blind. You, you know, you can sort of, you can, you know, get hold of them by the back or something. They have no idea you're coming, and they just jump out of their skin. 
every time. <laughs> you, you just like the vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I can't even deny it. Yeah. No, but uh, but uh, on a serious note, sorry, Raymond, have you found that they are jumpy? No, I would call it what I would call jerky. And then that, yeah, 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 all the fossorial species, so they live below the surface. You know, any movement across the surface they associate with being, you know, food. So they have, I mean, many a time I've put my hand across to lift a water bowl out and I've had a sand bowl latched under my thumb or my finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's just instinct, that is, isn't it? In snakes, when you lift them, they're quite flaccid. You know, they don't have a great muscle tone, plus they don't need to have. But I have found them to be an absolute delight. And I mean, Mm -hmm. these guys seen uh, Matt Horton's um, uh, animals he had at the show on Sunday as as, uh, sand boas. He had paints, he had splashes, he had all sorts. They were absolutely stunning. Mm -hmm. And and I I honestly think sand boas are going to be one of the not species, but one of the animals for the future, I would say, in, in, in snake-keeping circles. Because mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> going to be controversial, have probably had their day. Corn snakes aren't as big as they maybe were years ago. Royals will always be big. Um, and I think uh, there's always somebody looking for the next thing, and I think it'll come blood pythons and bamboos. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. We are always looking for the next thing, and, you know, blue-tongued skinks uh, sort of like have had got into the bit at the moment where people are going dip breeding different types of of skinks and and you are right we're always looking for the next thing the, the, the thing is and i've always the way i've always been life and i've kept animals since i was i was fortunate growing up with animals around me my father kept pigs and the chickens and my horses and we grew up in the usual guinea pigs and rabbits and my, i mean fundamentally i'm, I'm my background's not reptiles my background is birds I used to show canaries and used to go over the UK showing and judging can reptiles only come into my life and about What pain. did you what did you show them? I <laughs> I'm worried. Well <laughs> 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 like if the if there were parrots and they wanted a good laugh, I would show them a naked photograph of you, Danny. <laughs> oh! Oh, right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> But but that but that is a, an interesting thing, and we do like to find a little bit about our guests. You know, you said that reptiles wasn't your thing. You know, what what hobby do you, was that your hobby outside of sort of like reptiles? Was it was it the bird keeping? Because that can be a really really tough sort of like uh, a thing to get into. And 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 I know when I've inquired about birds to prey, you literally just get knocked straight back down. Like, don't even think about it. You, you, you know, you're never going to keep them. Well, well, I mean, I, I can't say I can't come birds of prey because I've, I've never personally kept them, but they obviously they're quite labour intensive, especially if you wish to fly them and get them the right weights. But I mean, I, I, I used to keep chickens as a kid. And then I got some canaries and started showing them, joined the local cage bird society. And that, got to give me a focus in life you know I, I was never into motorbikes and cars and football to an extent I, I just liked animals and then when I, I left school I, I worked in a pet shop and I mean we, we got a few snakes come in there was a royal python come in and I thought this was just the most fabulous animal I'd ever seen bear this in mind this was 1987 and, and royal pythons and it was basically royal pythons California king snakes garter snakes Burmese pythons back then. There wasn't the variety that there is now. Yeah. Had that and took it home and made mistakes with it, obviously. And, and um, 
time moves on, you end up, you know, you get married, you have kids, maybe money isn't as, as readily available and, and bird keeping can be an expensive business. But um, quite a few years ago, I was at a friend's house, he kept snakes and I thought, I'm going to get some again. And I did. And I, I just gradually built up the collection. I kept a few species and I thought, I don't like this. You know, I mean, I used to keep milk snakes, I used to keep Amazon tree boas and things, but it didn't float my boat. Um, and I think you have to keep a species to know if it's for you or if it's not for you, to be to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I love Burmese pythons, and I, there were some stunning Burmese pythons at that show on Sunday, but they're just too big for me. They just I, I know my limits, and I know what I do and don't want to keep, and I like to stick to the smaller stuff, um, I have to say. But no, I, I would say I'm a bird man first and foremost, and anything else after that. Um, I have to say, but I keep other things. I keep I have ferrets. I keep here. I have three dogs. I've kept bred various amphibians. I've bred maybe ten or a dozen species of exotic rodents over the years. I have quite a, a mixed bag of interesting animals. I have to say. See, so many. I've heard so many people who keep ferrets go, yeah, they're snakes with legs. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I mean, they can be a handful to keep hold of. But I, I know you get lots of rewards from them. They're so much fun. They um, are fabulous. They're the ultimate pet because they're quick, they're inquisitive, they're lovely. They smell a little bit like horse sometimes after he's had a few beers. <laughs> you know, you know what? Well, I, I was just about to compliment and how well you're coming across, but you can get fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, are you eating something there, host? No, no, I'm just listening to you. Um, but yeah there is a distinct smell to um, ferrets one of the reasons probably why I've not been allowed to keep hold of them is there anything you can do about that no or is it no they're just that's it they're just basically they're from a family called mustelids you know stokes weasels wolverines badgers all those type of things Uh, some of the Americans will get their scent glands removed, but that's illegal in the UK. And thank you. That's just stupidity, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a pleasant smell. It's quite strong, like a main wolf type of smell. It's it's quite a strong, and it does... Like a musk. Yeah. Mm. It's like walking onto a farm. I always distinguish it to, you know, that when you walk into where they've got pigs and cattle and... And and straw in in the in the cattle shed, and you walk in there, and you get that that pungent hit of I don't know farm. I've always distinguished don't it. Do well, they're very they're very they're very they're very like foxy, aren't they? They've got yeah. a real foxy smell. But I mean, I, I as I say, I've said nothing, and they're probably the most expensive animals I keep because I, I have two freezers out in a shed, and one of them's filled with pigeons and rabbits and whatever else for them, um, and then the other one's got. Uh, obviously snake food in it as well I like to feed them a, a natural diet so I would hang up maybe a, a dead rabbit or a dead pigeon rather than bits of meat because it's better for them better stimulation and it's good for muscle tone for their neck muscles ripping off flesh mm-hmm. and it keeps I mean we talk about animals and you know and certainly in the zoo where we talk much about enrichment and making yeah. it off their backsides and try to bring out natural behaviours you know with a snake you're sort of limited you know but an arboreal snake you provide it with branches if it's a snake that likes water you give it a pull you know it's the simple things that you can do um uh, or... you, uh, 
and sorry, Raymond, you talked about sort of like that enrichment thing and what zoos do. And, and we was all at um, Birmingham Nature Conservation Centre where they've got the amazing Komodo dragon and yeah. they got the kids to hide all the rats and mice around the enclosure where it couldn't find them. And then everybody got behind the glass and then watched it come <laughs> out. And, and we was fascinated. But the funniest thing ever, it went round picking up all these Rat, uh, rats and, and mice from underneath rocks and in, in plants but somebody had hung a rabbit up and I've never seen so many kids cheer when it finally climbed up this branch and grabbed hold of this <laughs> rabbit and ate the thing in one go and everybody just went well, it, was a, it was a whole new meaning of deep throat wasn't it really to be honest it was Birmingham Nature Centre in France Blessed with an outstanding reptile keeper in Adam Radovan and Opich. Yeah. Rada, 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 what? Oh, shut up, you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but equally, the, the players who runs the place is very much a reptile enthusiast. Yeah. Spectacular collection of reptiles. But, I mean, and that's probably why they do so wonderfully well. With, they probably do too well with some of the species, I have to say, you know, with, with, with um. <laughs> Things like savvy pythons, Jamaican boas, you know, um, and, and things like that. But it's a, it's a wonderful, it's one of my favourite zoos in the UK. It's just got such wonderful touches, and that's yeah. that down to the staff that run the place. Yeah, I think me, me and Mike are very fortunate. It's that that zoo is probably 15, 20 minutes from our house. I love um, it. It's, uh, it it's, it's definitely one for a, well, I'll, I'll go there, well, at least once a month, to be honest. Um, you know, it's a, Definitely popular for me. Right, um, you're you seem like a very honest man, very black and white, and you say it how it is. And you've been around for just a little bit longer than me and Danny. Won't mention how old Mike actually is. Um, he's, <laughs> he's only a little bit younger than you, I think. Um, so obviously you've seen the hobby before, and you've seen how it is now. Yeah. Um, the what, what would you say the main differences are from like the the seventies to how it is now? I think, to be honest with you, a better understanding of the animal's physical and psychological needs. You know, where back in the 1970s and 80s, you, you might have put a, an ordinary light bulb in your enclosure to heat it. No thermostat, no guards. Maybe they were putting fish tanks rather than proper vivariums. That has all descended down from America, who are light years ahead, I think, ahead of Europe in terms of technology for animals. Things we take for granted nowadays, thermostats, heat mats, frozen food, for example, ready, ready supply of live food for, you know, for insect-eating animals. You know, you can go to your average pet shop and pick a lot of these things up now, whereas before it was much more specialist. And I think, too, there's, you know, social media has a big part to play, both bad and good. You know, we're people are very generous at telling people, giving people advice, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I would say, I think... Two, today's society is becoming lazier with the animals they keep, and that not everybody wants the, the hassle of keeping the dog and walking it twice a day and picking up after it. Some people like to have a nice vivarium in their living room, like a nice aquarium, and look after it with a nice snake, well kept, and it's a centerpiece as well as a piece of furniture. And with snakes, you know, you might only be feeding them once a week, once a month. So I, I think there's a better I think education has been good as well. It's saying like snakes aren't the bad guys of the animal world. You know, you've, you've 
what, 10% of snakes in the world are venomous, if that, you know, so they're not all bad, and like, that, that's down to every individual animal keeper that we bump into, it's, it's to educate the next generation of people coming up. And, um, and, and, and even the, you know, the, the, the venomous ones are, are stunning, you know, they're, they're, they're not bad snakes, it's just that we just need to be a little bit more careful on, on how we act around them. Mike, absolutely, I mean, I've never kept venomous, but I mean, if I had the balls to do it, you look at things like gibbon vipers, for example, saw scaled vipers, some of the um, Wagner's pit vipers, stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, the the DWA Act didn't come into Northern Ireland until uh, about 20 years after the rest of the UK. So it was quite commonplace. I mean, I can remember working in the pet shop where we had at least three customers who had big cats but one guy pulled yeah. up one day with a tiger in the, in, in the trailer another guy was lynx another guy had leopards we used to sell uh, you know caiman crocodiles quite easily without any licenses but thankfully the dwa and the inspection of it has tried to uh, let's just say get rid of the dickhead with yet who just want to randomly get the dangerous animal and get on like a prat That's, yeah there is a few of those still about. Hundred percent. Yeah, but but the the, the thing is that the, 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 there's no stop. There's no stopping them. And and this is going back a while. And I had a good friend of mine who was amazing with animals, and he loved all the sort of like dangerous wild animals. And he said, "I've got a place because his family was from Ireland." He said, "I've got a place in just built by the Whitlow Mountains, and if I wanted to, I could have a polar bear, <laughs> and there was no stopping him." That's right. I mean, Ireland, the island of Ireland is obviously it's two jurisdictions. You have the Republic, and then you have Northern Ireland, which is obviously UK. Northern Ireland has the DWA Act, the same as the rest of the UK. The Republic of Ireland doesn't. So you can keep a polar bear quite legally if you live in the centre of Dublin, you know, um, quite quite without problem. Um, the, the problem, of course, with that is, you know, you simply don't know what's lurking around the corner. And I would rather know that there's... Uh, in Northern Ireland, there's only one keeper of, of big cats that we know of legally. There's only about maybe 30 venomous snakes probably in the whole country that are legally licensed. What there is over the border, who knows? Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, really, the fact that the, the laws are so lapsed these these days? It will, but the problem is it'll take a disaster to happen for, for the laws to be changed. Um, and, and let's hope that never happens. I'm, yeah, yeah sensible when I have to because I can see the damage that animals can do to each other or to people if you, you cock it up so I, I, you know I wouldn't like to be living next door to some idiot with a polar bear let's just say so no absolutely right or, uh, ju- and, and just for the record my friend didn't buy a polar bear he just he was just saying I could actually have a polar bear if well, I wanted to I'm gonna tell you a little bit of trivia here and you're gonna think this guy's on drugs all, all are you ready for this now? All polar bears are Irish. Did you know that? Every polar bear in the world is Irish. <laughs> They're all Irish. How do, you, how do you work that out? Well, because they traced the DNA back to one Irish brown bear from many <laughs> ago. So it's one Irish brown bear lived on the west coast of Ireland as the, the originator of the polar bear. Uh, species. So there you go. So you can. Tell. Is that an, an honest, honest fact? If you go into Google and type in "Are polar bears Irish?", it will come up. Oh I'm doing God! It, I'm doing it. No, mate. Because 
I've typed loads of stuff into Google. <laughs> that's, that's, Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. True, but trust your Uncle Raymond on this one. Okay, okay. And I'll tell you, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll put it this way to you, I will, the next Doncaster that I see is up, I will buy you several rounds of drink. How that? about if you give me a Savu? It's a long uh, way to, <laughs> from the Arctic to Tipperary, but scientists have discovered that polar bears can trace their family tree to Ireland. Genetic yeah. evidence shows that the descendants from Irish brown bears that lived wow. during the last ice age. I love stuff like this. You know what? Not not Geo. I've said it. So yeah. I've oh, okay. It's gospel. Well, there you go. Uh, by the way, guys, who wants to apologise first? Just I'm just. That. <laughs> who, who wants to what? Apologise for dying. Uh, I, did, so, I didn't I, date you for one second. I, I did, and I apologise pr- profusely. I don't apologise. I still think you're all full of shit. <laughs> Nobody, Tommy Brown, knows or who goes around apologising. No. I know, right? Who does that? Oh, fucking hell. Just apologise, guys. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> too nice, Mick, again. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so we spoke and about Belfast Zoo. We spoke about what you keep um, as a private collection. We've spoke about how the hobby was and how it is. Where do you see the hobby going in the next, say, five to ten years? Personally, and I hope I'm this, I think over-regulation of the hobby. Um, and I know that's obviously kicking in in England, but, you know, obviously the um, the size of the enclosures and various big stakes needs to be kept in. I think the hobby is very much driven sometimes by people who are unqualified to judge. And I mean this with the greatest respect. The best people to know about reptile, reptile paper people rather than the lawmakers who will have a knee-jerk reaction to public opinion. Public, anyway, it's, it's a bit subjective. For example, I think Liverpool are the greatest football team on earth. Somebody else might say it's Birmingham City. Somebody else might say it's Acton Stanley. Um, but I honestly think there's going to be more regulation, and there's two reasons for that. One, um, things to do with Invasive Species Act in Europe. You know, so things like sacred ibis, for example, you're no longer allowed to keep. Will that kick in for things like milk snakes? Will it kick in for corn snakes, which could theoretically live in the wild in the UK, in southern UK? They probably could. But yeah. I think when the, the, the slimy little tax man discovers he's missing out so much money on... on uh, people privately selling animals, whether it's on Gumtree or whether it's, it's, it's on Facebook or wherever, I, I think they will want to get their claws into, into that. And the sad thing is, you never ever see a headline, and, and, and you know, whether it's in the sun or the mirror, saying, reptile keeper keeps his animals beautifully, job done. No, it's somebody has a snake, I don't know, bone-crushing killer snake found in the garden in Dudley, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. You know, and up, you know how many people have heard the story about the person who kept the snake and used to lie in bed beside them. You know that. God. Oh, that 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 haunts me. Oh, grim, it's grim. But I actually seen on Channel Five was at the, the Matthew Wright show, the fet, that Yorkshire fet actually telling that story as gospel. Say, the car crash material. So and, everybody then thinks that they and, and and what's really frustrating is I've never seen a program or any media uh, coverage saying 
this snake has just saved this person's life Absolutely. by by uh, uh, you know the 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 work that's been the scientific work that's been done by their venom you know there's so yeah, many the things heart medication that, you know. uh, heart medication mate there's so many things that 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 snakes contribute to that goes straight under the radar because it's much more fun to make them out to be this horrible creature that it's, drives yes, me insane 100%. and it's why it's so important that people like ourselves who do podcasts or people who do youtube or people who are putting out the correct message that if you are listening to something like that it's so important that you should share it with like-minded people and people not necessarily who keep reptiles but share it out on your facebook feed because it's these kind of conversations that people hear that will make people realize okay these animals aren't the demons that the media is making them out for me you know there is something that we all studied in history class during school it's called propaganda and the world is full of it what you think is going on with the world probably isn't what's been going on it's not i've I've just come back from turkey and whilst yes the turks have invaded syria again it's not that much of a big deal to the turks i was talking to one of the local lads about it and he was not being funny but it's never really stopped no No. we've just had a bit more gunfire this week but it's, it's always been like this for years and years and years yet on our media it's you know it's world war three it's kicking off it, it it never has stopped. It's propaganda. Yeah, and we are—we've all been fed by media. I mean, guys, I—I I grew up in Northern Ireland, and we all know the reputation this place had to the wider world. That you—you know—they're just a bunch of terrorists who are ungrateful that go and kill each other. That was a few hundred people out of a population of one and a half million. But we all hard to see a brush. I mean, I can remember in the 1980s going through Heathrow Airport. And being channeled down into a little room with an armed guard and weren't allowed to leave because I was flying to Belfast. You know, there was a perception that I always judge people by how I find them, not where they're from, not what gender they are, not their orientation. I don't give a flying flurs about that. Yeah. Very, very open minded, I have to say. And fairness, I say that apart from Danny, who I think is a bit of a dick. And um, uh, that's that's a fiver. Well, <laughs> you've offended both two. Well, two guests tonight. Well, no, and furnace. When he, I, I couldn't believe it when he walked into Peter Nisha's bedroom on Saturday night, and Peter just got his big snake out for him and just put in the in Danny's hand, and Danny was ooing and ah, and I'm going, that's a big one, Peter. I couldn't believe. <laughs> Until I actually realised it was a rough skilled patient. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I'm not going to lie. That's probably the best night I've ever had where I could go downstairs to the bar, have a couple of beers, and then go back up to a hotel room and hold another guy's snake. It was like, it's it's the it's best your, night ever. It's your, it's your fantasy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. And then it's like, yeah, can I can I hold your snake and and then I had other oh guys God. in there like before you know going, it, I, I, I've also got snakes well, in the, here. Do you was, hold before them? <laughs> before you knew it, it's a fucking cuckolding pot. Well, well, the thing is that we were looking at snakes and then all of a sudden there's four fully grown men on a bed. And... <laughs> it was the greatest night of Chris's life. He dreamt for this moment for years that he would have. He always wanted to force them. And he, did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, would have I, had, he would have had a five, but Danny's that short. He couldn't get on the bed. Ah! 
Tell you what did make me laugh when somebody commented saying, where's Danny? And somebody said he was tied up with a tennis ball in his mouth. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, there was a few people going, oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> oh, God. We, it's not like us to go off on a tangent and, and, and ignore the, uh, <laughs> the thing that we should have been okay, talking so, about. So you're saying you think there's going to be more legislation, more... Um, I, more, yes, more, more stipulation on what we can and can't keep and how we keep it. How, how do you feel about um, perhaps the species that we work with? So, obviously, walking around Doncaster, um, it's predominantly corn snakes, raw pythons, leopard geckos. But I, yeah. I, I do feel that people are branching out just that little bit more than normal. I, I think so. I mean, it would be wrong to say that, that that was the only thing. I mean, there were some amazing snakes. As I say, there were blood pythons there. There was... I mean, there was mandarin rat snakes. There was all sorts there's of rats egg, egg eaters. Egg eaters, which I missed completely. There's Dumeril's ground boas, which again I missed. There was a few olive pythons came back on the ferry over to Northern Ireland as well on the day, which was fantastic. But I mean, you've got to remember. I mean, there's, going, there's always going to be a bread and butter off the, off the hop, and that's going to be your your easy to keep. You know, the low maintenance corn snake. You know, royal pike to an extent and and whatever, and that's fine. But, I mean, the, the diversity of animals that was available that show, I think, was absolutely incredible. And, I mean, for a small country that I live in in Northern Ireland, I mean, with a few, a portionally smaller number of reptiles, there's a phenomenal range of species being kept. I mean, Peter, as much as I take the piss out of him, he's got emerald tree boas, he's got green tree pythons, he's got rough scales, he's got amson tree boas, he's, he's got um, amorali python, or boas, sorry, you know, my friend Tony, who used to breed such a huge variety of different bullet species, you've crests with the blood pythons, you have retics, you've all the pythons. And that's just a, f- a few guys off the top of my head. Where... My little island that hasn't any snakes. <laughs> uh, I, well, unfortunately, I'll, I'll give you another myth, I mean, about some paddy driving them out. Obviously, when Ireland broke away from the rest of the GB with the land bridge, uh, snakes had never reached us from mainland Europe, but it's a nice story to tell people who believe in that sort of stuff, I suppose. But um, but I, I think once the, the ease of getting animals back from Palm and Houghton and places like that and Brexit kicks in, where you're going to need import certificates, yeah, ID documentation, that will probably stem the flow to, to an extent. It will probably drive prices up on the less common species and it maybe make us more more prepared to try and breed the more unusual stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember selling lots of different bird species in the pet shop that were all wild caught, you know, little wax bills like cordon blues, red ears, and stuff like that. But then they stopped the, 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 the trade in wild caught birds, and then the numbers, the prices skyrocketed. You know, so where you had a, a pair of Pekin Robins that was maybe 40 quid a pair, suddenly went to 500 pound a pair. Wow. But the, the economic impact in those African countries that those animals came from was where the villagers got a few pounds for cats in these birds. They suddenly became a plague population because they had no need to catch them. And then they started killing them off in the tens of millions because there was no economic value behind those animals. So I'm not for one minute suggesting we should go out and have a, a, a massive plague population. Maybe we should get our act together and, I mean, try to breed some of the more difficult species and make them more readily available. Um, yeah, 100%. And I, and I massively think that we should 
you know, um, look at how we value our animals without a I mean, shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. I mean, Mike, I, I, I know people turn around and say, oh, he only keeps a corn snake or he only keeps a leopard gecko. They, I don't care. I would rather see somebody who keeps a leopard gecko or a corn snake beautifully well and have a much-loved pet with beautiful conditions and clean environment, free of mite, than some a kid who has a bullying python and keeps it in a shitty little enclosure and doesn't give it the time of day that the animal deserves. So, I mean, I think there's a certain snob value in any animal hobby, and reptiles are no exception. But I like to hear, you know, the 14 or 15 year old kid who goes out and researches what he wants to keep, keeps it beautifully well. And so what if it's only a corn snake or only a, a royal python or only a stambor? As long as that animal's cared for correctly. 100%. And we, and we need them animals to get the kids involved and educated and, and into the, you know, into the hobby. And then they can, you know, potentially move on and, and, and learn about other species. We, we 100% need that without a shadow of a doubt. We do. We do. I mean, I, I have teenage daughters uh, and they're good girls. I mean, one's at uni and the other's at grammar school. Um, but there's a lot of kids, they end up getting, they all get treated as little happy slappers and drug takers and this, that. And that is not the case. If you can yeah. get them focus like keeping reptiles or keeping birds or playing football or, or whatever, gives them a focus on life. It's a really, really great thing to have because never underestimate the power of a child's ability to work with animals because sometimes they can put a lot of adult, us adults to shame with what yeah. they and, and the loves they provide and I think we would be failing as as, as, a, as hobbyists if we didn't try to get the next generation on board mm-hmm. you know fortunate growing up with birds and I had a lot of <clears throat> hairy arse older men who looked after me and didn't get me birds and taught me how to look after them properly when I made mistakes they were the first to lend a hand and I think that's really, really important um, as well. So, just my yeah. opinion. No, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you, you, you know, that the younger generation should be learning off the older generation. I also think that the older generation should also be learning off the younger generation. Um, I, I saw a lovely post the other day, uh, Stu, who we all know, Stu, Stu Pot, I call him. Um, <clears throat> He put a post up about, you know, he's been involved in the hobby for probably 30 years. Um, he's always stuck to the way he does things. It, it reminded me of myself, if I'm honest with you, you know, I use uh, ceramic bulbs, put lighting in there. Uh, I give my animals hides, uh, fake plants and places to climb and this, that and the other. So I feel like I'm giving them everything. Um, he said, I've now started to introduce, you know, different, you know, full spectrum lighting. And he's seen a massive sort of like change in his animals. And, and, and he's, I think it was a lovely post and he put a big post up and he got a massive reaction saying, absolutely brilliant what you're doing. You know, we can all learn and we can all change and we can all evolve. You get a lot of people who go, I've been doing this for years and this is the way I should be, you know, it's never, it's never harmed me or my animals have always been fine, but we need to evolve with the times with technology and, and, and you, you know, working in a zoo, Raymond must, you know, have to do exactly the same. Well, you, you do. I mean, there is a certain element of it. If it's not broken, don't try to fix it. But equally, if we, if we use that mentality with things like, say, the motor car, 
we would still be Dragon, Cl Dragon Clap Ford Capris from the 1970s, rather than evolving these new super efficient engines and growing, you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Everything moves on in life and improves, because if you stagnate, it, it, you know, it, you might as well just die. Um, so we have to try and get the mindset into some people. Some people are bloody minded and won't change, and I get that. But if you can show them the results, for example, birds do far, far better under UVA light simply because it enhances birds don't see this spectrum as we do and that enhances the colour for breeding success and stops things like metabolic bone disease kicking in obviously with them as well and, and problems with their gland. Um so we have to science we have to, we, we do depend on but you're you're always going to face the fact that you're not going to tell me how to suck eggs here because I've done this for 30 years and I've never had but maybe you suck them you just you have to suck them sideways. You know, as well. So and what am I talking about now? Sucking eggs. Oh right, that's not sorry. Second. I tell you, see when he actually listens to this, he's he's gonna cry. He is he, he's 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 basically he's 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 basically reptile royalty over here now because he did this podcast with you guys. <laughs> 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 he's above he's above everyone else now. <laughs> he, but he, we actually, we, we actually called him a media whore uh, for doing. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you're all jumping on the bandwagon. To be honest, I did see that. So as I walked into the uh, the foyer in the Hilton. They were all kind of going pss, 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 to P Peter. He must have been, oh, that's those blokes from Reptile Insurance. Introduce us, introduce us. Oh, pretty guys. <laughs> yeah, we saw it. We saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't knock the bloke. I've picked up some absolutely stunning Irian Jayas off him the weekend. My uh, Pardon? I was just going to say they were, that was a smashing pair of snakes you got from yeah, I, I can't complain. They are they are stunning, and uh, it was a lovely thing that he did for me. So I will, uh, yeah, I will cherish them <laughs> for a, for a long, long time. Definitely. Well, no, he genuinely. He, I think he was thrilled that you got them because he. I know how much they meant to him, but equally, I think he, he, it meant more to him that somebody who was going to cherish them, as you say, Mike, was going to take them home and really, really get a lot of pleasure out of having them and. That's what it's great, and it is a great hobby that we have. This is what it's all about. It's about, I go to Doncaster, and I mean, the only snake that I brought home was a, a Caribbean red tail that I had pre-booked. Um, so, and, and I got my wife a few a few geckos. But if I, I can go to Doncaster and buy nothing, it's the people that you meet. It's, it's mm -hmm. the you make, old and new. It's the laughs you have. It's the drinks you have with friends. It's, yeah. it's fabulous animals. It's it's. It's a whole social spectrum, and mm -hmm. that why I and it's not cheap for us guys to come over to Doncaster with a ferry and yeah, and, yeah. but we wouldn't miss it for the world. It's pretty much a day's travel for you as well, isn't it? You know. Oh, and the rest. Not, it's it, like yeah. I've always you know we we always get we do we do get a little bit peeved with the with the people that are saying oh Donny's shit you see all the same thing it's crap you're going there for the wrong reasons. Yeah, plus, Honestly, plus as well, really it's, it's the Bally. only show we've got. So, yeah, you know, if you don't like it, then you got to make, make a new gotta one. Make, you've got to make the most of it. And like what Danny's saying, for the yeah. wrong reasons, you're meeting thousands of people, like-minded people. When, where can you go in the UK where you can meet 
thousands of like-minded people who love reptiles and get to see a load mm -hmm. and get to have a beer with them. Exactly. But I mean, what, what I would say, and I mean, this is maybe not shouted from the treetops loud enough sometimes, my hat's off to IHS and their, their members, their volunteers that come in on a Saturday night, set up tables, or in early on a Sunday morning, they're helping patrol the place to keep everything going well for everybody. They help clear the place up afterwards. And us guys turn up, walk in, have a great day out and walk, go home again. But it's the effort that these guys have put into the hobby to allow us to have a show such as Doncaster. Because forget, the animal rights loonies get their way, they wouldn't be a Doncaster. Yeah, um, absolutely right. Where would the reptile hobby be? Not necessarily just to pick up new animals or to surplus some some surplus breeding animals, but you know why would we have? You know, we're not going to suddenly meet up in a pub in Birmingham someday for whatever reason. You know, it, it, it brings people from all parts of England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, wherever. Oh, you know, Brian, you know if it wasn't you, for Donny, we wouldn't have met you guys. Absolutely, we know, wouldn't be having 100%. this podcast tonight, no. Brian. We wouldn't have known that you, 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 you was the creator of Belfast Zoo. We wouldn't have the, met. The we wouldn't have been able to. I'm the creator you know, of. Don't you his rate. ego even more, Jesus? Join us, But no, it, it is. It's, it's vitally important that those friendships are there. And I mean, to be honest, none of us. Irish lads don't take ourselves seriously, we, and, you, and I know you guys don't as well. We I don't, don't know where you get that impression. No, no. But equally, we're all there for each other when, the, when, when whenever we need it for whatever reason, you know. Yeah. Hats, hats off to all these guys. I have to say, you, and I do go back to what I said at the start of the show. I mean. Things like the podcast, you know, and all this, the associated stuff you do is great for the hobby. It's great for people to communicate and have a platform to do things and to have a laugh and to learn a little bit about, you know, the animals that we, we, we love looking after as well. It's, it's, it's very, very important. And if you can do it and have a laugh and, and a smile on your face, terrific, you know. And, and, absolutely. and, and the other side, the thing that we, we support massively, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to be totally open and honest here, as I always am. You know, I sat down with you guys, with you, Peter and Chris, on Saturday night, and I got a little bit upset because I actually explained what I'd been through and, you know, uh, how I addressed things and, and, and how I, I sort of, like, have dealt with things over the past sort of, like, 12 months. And you're complete strangers who I've met and become really good friends with and I was able to do that and I think you know everybody should take that on board and go do you know what we've got an amazing community around us we've got people like-minded people that are probably going through the same you know struggles or if not the same but similar or or, or will understand and we can embrace that and and for me I just thought that was absolutely fantastic the fact that I could open up to you guys you know on a Saturday night after a couple of beers and don't get me wrong I know that beers sort of like you know open up your emotions a little bit but the trick is that yeah <laughs> it, it, it helps doesn't it it's yeah, it all does. that is all counseling whether you're talking well, it's, to it's, a trained counselor it's like we always say open up talk to someone say do you know what i mean just just open your mouth yeah well. and tell someone your problems and that is exactly what you did and that helped you, you know it might just be a little tiny minute thing to anyone else but to you you know that 
that might be yeah. a, you know quite it's a big like, thing. It's like what Mike says. You know, we go to the gym to to make sure our bodies are healthy, to work out our, our mm-hmm. bodies. We go to a counsellor or we talk to our friends to you know work through our minds and make our minds stronger. Um, yeah, it's a muscle. On that note, guys, you know what I'm going to say. I'm conscious of time. I am conscious of time. It's an hour and thirty-five um, in. Damn, mate Raymond, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, no, not only was it nice meeting you on the weekend, but it's nice to have a sober conversation with you as well. Well, can I just Peace. say, absolutely average. We can use a lot. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Absolutely average, hundred percent. Can I just say equally, and and I'm speaking for the rest of that. As I, I'm the paddy myself over here. Um, you know, there's always a warm welcome for any of you guys over here, um, and any of the reptile and reptile and chill guys and listeners. I mean, we had, we had Ian over the other week. Um, and, and was that Ian, Ian Claridge? Aye, but we'll, we'll not try to, we'll not sort of bag him up too much. We thought he was about. This. Oh no, he no, he, he is the top chill bag. Yeah, uh, he is. Uh, no, and he loved it. He absolutely loved it, and we loved it, didn't we? Uh, uh, going, yeah. oh, these guys have sort of like got talking to each other through reptile oh, and chill. Yeah, they've met up. This is uh, fucking brilliant. Like I was genuinely making quite like a deal. Danny, of it. Danny, at one point turned into Silla Black. I got a little bit uneasy when him and Peter started putting tongues in each other's mouth. To be honest with you, it was a bit... it's when you, it's when it's when one of them puts his tongue in the other one's butthole. That's when you got to worry. Well, the, the honest... going around it, going around it is fine, but when it, you know, when it goes in, oh, well, okay. Anyways, <laughs> on that note, before it gets too smutty, okay, um... I couldn't let the podcast end oh... for the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Um, massive thank you for coming on the show. We'll have to get you back on. You have to Raymond, you're the man, Raymond. On. You're, you're absolute... far better than Peter Niche. Yeah, and an absolute, genuine, good, absolute. Good guy, heart of gold. Nope. So, yeah. yeah man, well, c- keep us updated with what's happening at Belfast soon, your personal collection. We I'm coming over. Back on. Got nope. a project. We've got a project in Belfast, and I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm getting over there. I am. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you know, one of us guys will come and get you to the airport. We'll bring you down to each other's houses and let the, you know, we'll look after you. Uh, we'll, we'll take the pass out of you a bit, but. You know, we'll be a bit of the study, and we'll um, it'll be our absolute pleasure. And that's for any of you guys. If, um, if you don't take the piss out of us, I'll be offended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we do it with a smile on their face and a warm heart. And, and Right, okay, so um, just before signing out, Eric Burke, just to let you know that dear, oh dear, oh dear is my catchphrase, and that we are fining you a whole 20 US dollars for saying oh, la, 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 in the outback of Australia. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that's ours. Um, that. If you don't, yeah, that's ours. <laughs> so, 20 US dollars, or you'll be hearing from our solicitor. Um, on that note, if you want to help support our podcast, then please head on over to com and look at our hoodies and t shirts for sale. Danny has designed an absolutely wonderful Giller wearing a stupid Christmas hat, and he's not too happy about it. That's a great healer. T-shirt. So get yourself... Uh, is it a healer or Giller? Healer. healer. It's called Healer. It's, yeah. Okay. Bless well, him. He, he, not only can he not pronounce the <laughs> scientific names, he's struggling with the... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so have a look at those. Obviously, 
I proportion of that money does go to our mental health charity which is papyrus and if you want to follow the podcast you can go on facebook twitter instagram or now youtube uh, it's at the handle of reptile and chill keep updated and the other thing is our community group which mike's going to tell you all about Oh, our community group is amazing. <laughs> so just type in Reptile and Chill um, community group and we will accept you on there. And you can talk about absolutely anything, whether it's reptiles, whether it's your favourite recipe, whether it's what you do for work. Um, if you've got any questions, advice you need, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. That's on Facebook. And the one, one final last thing that you guys need to do, if you are ever in Northern Ireland, you need to go to Belfast, so, and you need to find the lovely Mr. Raymond, and you need to give him a big wet kiss for that. Hundred percent. Lovely. On, on and a that, little and... Oh God! Right. On, <laughs> on, you know what? Right. We're leaving. On that note, thank you for listening. Love you. Bye. Love you, Raymond. Bye. Thank you, Raymond. Love you. Bye-bye, mate. Bye. Love you, Raymond. No, no, Raymond. Bye. Love, love you. you. Love you. Bye. No, Raymond, you've got to say love you. You don't get it, Raymond. I know what I, I, know what I would love you to do, but that's something else. <laughs> well, you just, know just, say, just say love you, bye, Raymond. He said the word love now. I can edit it. It's fine. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Love you, guys. Bye-bye. Yes! Okay, yeah. tell Love you, bye. <laughs> Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. <clears throat> Unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar.